When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sportsbet BS Hotline, state your emergency. Yeah, it's me partner's group. Me mate Dave, I reckon he bought in. Okay, hang up now. What? And join Sportsbet's Bet With Mates. It's group betting without all the BS. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Perhaps the final moment of the thrilling month of cricket. Ben Stokes, ever present, faces up. He swings across the line and hits the winning run. Ben Stokes waves his bat in jubilation to 80,000 at the MCG. And England stands as the dominant force in white ball cricket. They win the T20 World Cup. Go and get the ball, Jared. still alive. And add it to the 50-over title. A triumph 30 years in the making on this ground for England. Dominant display, brilliantly called by Jerry Waitley and the team. SEN Cricket doing a wonderful job. It's only the start of what lies in store right across the Australian summer with the test, dual test series in front of us. Adam Collins, very much part of the leadership group when it comes to the SEN Cricket team, was there last night as the T20 World Cup wrapped up. And Colo, job well done by you and the team. Fantastic coverage by all of you. So, so well done. Uh, there's a load of things to talk about, and we'll get through as many as we can. But does Ben Stokes um, have his reputation enhanced to the degree that he might be the most uh, valuable and important cricketer on planet Earth? Yeah, it, it's a fairly persuasive argument when you consider he was out there at the end in the uh, World Cup final in 2019, 84 not out from the parlour situation for England in a World Cup final. And they just simply had to win after all the investment that went into white ball cricket over there after the, the misadventure in 2015. They had to win that competition, and so they did because Stokes just willed them to the line in, in the Super Over as well. And then, yeah, there was a lot of speculation in the lead-up to this tournament that Stokes wasn't the right fit for this England T20 side. I mean, the fact of the matter is, he hadn't played a single game of T20 cricket for 18 months leading up to the tournament. He just wasn't part of this format. And we know how quickly T20 is evolving and moving. And, and not unreasonably, people question whether he could bat at the tempo necessary. Well, in the end, big tournament play, it's not always about yep. going at the right tempo. It's about having the temperament uh, to make it to the finish line. And because his bowlers did so well earlier in the evening, only chasing 138, he was able to play it his way. And it didn't matter that his strike rate was low by modern standards. He had the the mental strength to get them to the finish line. And what about the fact that uh, we look at it, and, and yes, they, they were already had the runs on the board, so to speak, uh, in regards to the white ball cricket, but then they pick up Matthew Mott and Mike Hussey, and as Australians, yeah. we're looking around, and we also see uh, Matthew Hayton with um, Pakistan, Pakistan and, and, Tate. and a lot of our IP being distributed right throughout the world. <laughs> Is there's, Are we doing enough to hold on to our own people and our own IP? It is a bit jarring when Mike Hussey's uh, wearing cool. an England kit, isn't yeah. it? I saw it on the TV a couple Terrible. of times. Like, oh, gosh, that's a, it does stand out, doesn't it? Look, I, I think the truth is we're, we're at a stage now in, in the development of T20 cricket, the circuit, if you like, where um, coaches move around from country to country in the same way that footy coaches do. So there's no real fidelity to country in the way that we might have thought of it, say, 20 or 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. 
Um, so I suppose it's an uncomfortable uh, status quo that we're going to have to become used to because uh, there is a sense that coaches move out of their comfort zone to get more experience. Take someone like Brendan McCullum. I've, yeah. I live in the UK most of the year and have been um, covering the England test team through the baseball era, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um, I don't think an England coach could have done that. I just don't think it would have been possible uh, to have given them the belief they needed to break the mould of conservative English test cricket, if not for someone from the outside being McCullum telling them and, and reinforcing that they could. As for Matthew Mott, I mean, what a tremendous story. He was in charge of the Australian women's side mm. when they won the World Cup on April the 3rd this year. So two World Cups in two separate formats in two countries uh, in the same year. Um, that's, a, that's a staggering achievement for a guy uh, who has done so much and achieved so much success in the last five or six years with the with the women's team now, with England's men. And remember, the England men had a pretty tough start to their year under him. They, they lost to South Africa. They lost to India. Uh, but they timed their run really well, made good selections, and they were able to, to recover from a couple of big injury blows too. Initially, Johnny Bairstow, who didn't make the trip after breaking his leg, and then uh, David Milan and, and Mark Wood, who, who pulled out before the semi-final. How is this uh, tournament going to be perceived? Uh, we, we've seen it through here, obviously, in Australian lens, but globally, uh, do we get a tick for what's taken place and, and has, has it enhanced the whole T20 World Cup concept? Oh, absolutely. I reckon there's a pretty persuasive argument that it's the best T20 World Cup ever held. Um, and, yeah. and that's, of course, down to the cricket and the competitive tension and the close games that we enjoyed and the upsets. Mm. Now, yep. the format of this World Cup changes before it's held in America and the, and the West Indies a couple of years from now. There'll be 20 teams in that comp, um, five groups of, uh, sorry, four groups of five. Much better. Big tick for me for that because it'll mean the associate nations and players... Uh, who we've seen can match it with the best in the shorter form, will get the chance to actually play in the tournament proper, not just the qualifying tournament and attack on the front, which mm. we saw at Cadinia Park and, and Bell Reeve, which was a great um, a great comp in itself, but it did mean that um, you know that there are limited uh, sides getting into the Super 12s. And when they did, by the way, we saw Ireland knock off England. We saw the Dutch uh, <laughs> do away with South Africa on the final day of the group stage, which opened everything up to Pakistan. So one of the days of there being a massive gap between the best and the rest, especially in T20 cricket. But yeah, in a way, um, counterintuitively, the rain has probably helped this become a great tournament. And by that, I mean, um, the games that they missed ended up making that group stage a lot tighter, especially that game that got washed out between Australia and England. Weird as it is to say that um, having a blockbuster get rained off at the G could prove to be a good thing, but it meant that had, had that game played out that night, one side would have been eliminated inside the first week of the tournament. Instead, Australia and England were alive all the way through to the end of the Super 12s. Australia miss out, England gets through, they win the comp. Good luck to them. But, yeah, weirdly, sometimes rain can help when it comes to tightening things up. Adam, they are a great international competitor. Um, and, you know, we've seen them take stuff from us and we've borrowed things from them over the journey. As a takeaway from an Australian perspective of this tournament, do we reassess the separation of powers, if you like, the red and the white ball and specific coaching panels? Is that something that we need to embrace or, or consider more than perhaps we have in the past? Oh, I'd be really surprised if that doesn't become the status quo, uh, Andy. I, I just think that the way the games are moving, they are, they're becoming more divergent. I mean, you see players who can transfer their skills across the formats, and that's fine, but the, the pathway these players are on 
Uh, if you're a young player coming through right now, and there's some well-documented examples around the world of players who are very much 2020 specialists, mm. uh, young Brevis from South Africa, 19 years of age, he'll probably never play for South Africa. Why would he? His nat- the national contract may not ever be persuasive enough. There's a kid called Will Smead who plays for Somerset mm. and plays in the Pakistan Super League. Will Smead, they, they may never be able to offer him enough of a national contract to dissuade him from playing as a full-time circuiteer. Tim David, the young, Jeez. well, not young anymore, but the, the Australian player. I mean, this is a very interesting time uh, when it comes to how players are going to specialise. And that will be the same for coaches as well um, in, in terms of what they want to do uh, and how they want to see themselves and set up and the skills they want to develop, which doesn't mean there's not going to be room for a young Ashley Tandra Singer who made a century on debut in the Shield a couple of weeks ago for Victoria at a strike grade of 40. It feels like there's going to be space for those players to develop at their, at their speed in, in the game they're playing, uh, whilst the more extravagant cricketers can, can, can do, it as a, do it in the short-form game, be it for their country or around the world. That's where I think the, 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 the fault line is really drawn. The tension is going to be about how the younger players coming through how they can be retained by their countries. That sounds mad at the moment, but believe me, this is this is what's coming down the pipeline. Oh, it's really interesting. Hey, to you and the team again, job well done. Well, there's, a heap, there's a heap more cricket to come right across super the summer stuff. here on SEN, and you'll be right in the middle of it all. Um, thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, enjoy whatever break you've got coming your way before you get stuck in again. Appreciate your time. Thanks. I'm, no worries. I'm literally driving to Adelaide now for the it's, first one day on Thursday. Bit of a road trip out right. there. Well, enjoy the drive right, and uh, stay out of the rain. Uh, Adam Collins, part of SEN's cricket team, joining us.